Laurent Hall is an application security activist and longtime proponent of open source software. He's a member of the Node.js Security Working Group, an OWASP project lead, author of Essential Node.js Security, and O'Reilly's Serverless Security. He's leading the developer advocacy team at Sneak in a mission to empower developers with better dev-first security. Laurent joins us to talk about Cloud Native and AppSec. We begin by defining Cloud Native and the changes it's causing. We then get into the threats in a Cloud Native world and the role of developers and AppSec with Cloud Native. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Laurent Hall. At Security Journey, we believe security is every developer's job. We work with our customers to help them build long-term, sustainable security culture amongst all their developers. Our approach is to provide security education that's conversational, quick, hands-on, and fun. We don't do lectures. Instead, we let the experts talk about what's important. Modules are quick, 10 to 20 minutes in length. We believe in hands-on experiments, builder and breaker style, that allow your developers to put what they learned into action. And lastly, fun. Training doesn't have to be boring. We make it engaging and fun for the developers. Visit www.securityjourney.com to sign up for a free trial of the Security Dojo. Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Application Security Podcast. This is Chris Romeo, CEO of Security Journey and co-host of said podcast. I'm also joined today by Robert Hurlbut. Hey, Robert. Hey, Chris. Yeah, Robert Hurlbut, threat modeling architect. Good to be here. Awesome, awesome. And we're we're going to learn something new today, which for me is something I try to do every day. It seems like I do learn something Same new here. every day. Um, sometimes I, I want the lessons, other times I don't, but uh, that's that's the joy of the startup space, right? It's like Indeed. sometimes you get taught something, but we're going to talk about cloud native. And so we're joined by Laurent Tall, who's been with us before. He is at Sneak. You're going to have to remind us, Laurent, what your actual title is. I know it's something really cool, uh, but if you could just catch us up on what you've been up to for the last couple of years since the last time we chatted. Cool, cool. Thanks, you guys, for uh, having me today. It's, uh, glad to be back on this. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a developer advocate at Snake. Uh, you know, Snake does whole range of tooling. It's a security platform, basically, for cloud-native applications, which we'll dive into more. Uh, but my role specifically is all about, you know, discussing with developers, talking about, you know, all maybe their frustrations and how we can help, you know, what is going on, you know, researching a lot of like open source supply chain security issues, writing about this, what are these like, you know, best practices that we're trying to create and curate uh, to reports and things like that. So, I mean, th- this is me at Snake, um, but have been up to a lot of things since we last talk. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like you just said, right, we're always trying to learn, you know, new things. Um, so, you know, I've been I've been diving a lot deeper into this, um, um, you know, the cloud native space, but kind of like the ops part of it. So things that used to be, you know, very reserved for like sysadmins and ops before things like, you know, the orchestration engine and deployment and all of those things. But now they're really at the hands of developers. So, you know, doing a lot of work there. Um, so we'll dive into it more. Uh, but other things that have been happening recently have been around. Um, so we've, we've launched this uh, sneak advisor thing, like, you know, this is like six months back, 
Uh, but it's like such a cool project that I'm so, um, you know, so uh, uh, excited about because this is, you know, like, you could go to like, you know, just you Google the sneak advisor. If you go there, basically, it's kind of like this experience for a booking.com, but for open source, right? Because if you're a developer and you want to use an open source package, you're like, well, maybe it's maintained or not. Is it vulnerable? You know, what's the community like around it? Uh, so this is exactly what the advisor is. Like you just, you know, throw in uh, or search, you know, your for a specific uh, package for you. And at that point, you know, we give you all of those metrics based on that open source package, like how it's been like. And you have this 360 view around, you know, the security, the popularity, the maintenance, you know, everything around it to get you to do like this, um, uh, this uh, thoughtful consideration and decision of whether you want to use that package or something else. So, I mean, that has been very exciting. So all of those things kind of like really happening uh, recently over here. But, you know, how, how has it been about uh, yourself? How's it, how's it going? Oh, I think both Robert and I can say we are gainfully and happily employed <laughs> because we know that the world of application security uh, just keeps needing everything that we can offer. And that goes for every all of us as an industry as well. But I know we want to talk about cloud native today and how cloud native intersects with application security and a lot of that really interesting details. But I think we got to start by just Laurent, having you give us your perspective on what is cloud native, because I feel like it's one of those things that could mean different things to different people. It's like when I go visit a company and they're like, we do agile. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. What does that mean? Can you explain that to me? Because there's not one agile. There is you know, a view of agile. I don't know if cloud native is like that, but enlighten us a bit about what is cloud native. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good start. Um, so to me, I think cloud native is basically where applications have been built in in a way that they could benefit and function in the world of cloud, which when you say cloud, that usually translates to, you know, you don't operate the infrastructure, you get, you know, something as a service and you operate, you know, uh, you know kind of like, it, it's think about of like in terms of you declare, you know, what you want in a declarative way, not in an imperative. So you say, I want, you know, three replicas of, you know, this uh, this function or this microservice. And you don't care what's going on behind the scenes, right? This is someone else's basically job and responsibility to figure this out. So when you build cloud-native applications, it means you need to think of those things. You need to think of scale, of, you know, how to you... How do you adapt to those areas? So if it's if it's a function that you write, right? You think about it uh, in terms of something very small, something very you know, uh, you know, a purposeful that you write, and you do not care if this gets triggered, you know, uh, with a scale of like you know, a hundred hits, you know, a minute or one thousand, because that is someone else's responsibility to uh, care for you and elastically, basically, scale that up and down as needed. So it's, I think as a developer, it has different meanings. For example, I think developers will think about cloud native in terms of, well, if we need to do event-based systems, so they think in terms of, um, you know, like instead of synchronous operations, they think asynchronous. So they think message queues and, you know, all the Kafkas and, and so on. And they, they think of streams and things like that. So it, it is a concept change, I think, for developers. Uh, but also the security applies to it because what uh, that's I think what is fascinating is is what is security in a cloud native world, which you know is uh, is kind of like where I think we'll want to dive into. So what's changing in cloud native space? I know it's been around for a while, but is there is there anything uh, new? I mean, just in the latest uh, updates and so forth that that are out there. Yep. So I think maybe. 
I mean, the adoption is going to grow and grow. We're seeing that, you know, all around, you know, more people are using, um, you know, well, those cloud natives related uh, artifacts. Um, I, and I can give, I mean, there's so many examples. Like if I, if I go and give like a deep, like for me, like an extreme situation, right? Front-end developers, think about front-end developers in terms of cloud native. That is also like, you know, what is the, even like the connection, the relation that's like, you know, it's cloud and, you know, front-end developers don't do, you know, those things that you talk about in terms of, you know, that like the, the you know, the bread and butter of, of cloud, which is much a bit, a little bit more ops and more containers. Uh, but there's a lot there for, 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 you know, front-end developers, for example, they, you know, and I, I think a lot of developers don't really understand that they are, you know, cloud native developers at this point, because uh, what I've seen, I have friends who are doing, you know, cloud uh, development on Firebase, right? So they're using Firebase and they're writing their front-ends and they're pushing, you know, some, you know, some code, which is, you know, a backend, but, you know, they don't think about it in terms of a backend, but it's a function that they have there, like, you know, a myriad of functions and they don't think about it too much. And it's just there that someone, you know, is responsible, that whole stack to do this. Or, you know, think about someone, a front-end developer, again, like maybe deploying a website. They do not need to, uh, if they do it with like Netlify or Vercel, they don't need to care about, you know, the SSL part, the edge. You know, how do you optimize? All of those things have gone, you know, beyond, you know, what we have done before as front-end developers, you know, 15, 20 years back. This has gone completely outside of, you know, our control or, you know, at least our responsibility into someone else to optimize that for us. And, you know, we need to understand how that works. That's the cloud native part, you know, the cross origin headers, the API gateways, all of those things that kind of like relate to it. But beyond that, we do not care how that scales. We do not care how that, I mean, we care about how it scales, how it performs, but it's not our responsibility, you know, to, you know, kind of like um, to operate it. This is someone else operating it for us. So in, I, in the model, in the model that you're thinking through here in a cloud native world, you're very clearly you've said, "Hey, the developers are they don't have to worry about the infrastructure components." Then, if that's the case, who owns that in the average company? Is it the site reliability engineers? Is it somebody else? I'm just not aware of. Like, where does that function happen? Yeah, so I, I'm definitely trying to like put the extreme part. I don't think like you know that developers you know don't care. It's not their responsibility, but more like. It's not, um, you know, it's not the knobs that we have used to kind of like tuned uh, when we deployed something. Now there's something that we declare what we want and it just gets there. There's an entire infrastructure that that gets it there. And this is, I think, where, uh, you know, security ties into it as well. So if I take, for example, uh, let, let's go back like more more natively backend kind of like uh, security uh, related uh, examples. And that would be, you know, if I de- deployed, um, you know, a microservice in, in Node recently, right, then... I kind of, you know, don't, you know, worry too much about how that's get orchestrated in the cloud. I know that I just put maybe, um, you know, if I wrap that in a function or if I wrap that in a container, I just do it. You know, I have my Docker file and, you know, something gets it, you know, to deploy or whatever. Uh, but I think this is where security kind of like extends beyond, um, you know, beyond what you have used to think about until today to now more of it. So if I'm a developer and you tell to me, you're talking to me about security, the first things that, you know, I think... Um, comes to my mind are, well, there's my app uh, security, so my code, my, my first part of code, what I actually write. And, you know, if I'm thinking a, bit, a little bit more deeper, I'll think about, you know, my dependencies. So the dependencies inside my code base, right, whatever I bring in. And this ties into this, you know, software composition analysis, this whole world of, um, you know, open source supply chain and so on. Usually at that point, I think most people kind of like stop thinking of how security trickles down to their app at that point. And, my cloud native uh, vision to what uh, security is for those developers, and this is, I think, what is changing, 
um, is there, it's now more than this. It now extends because it's now their container image. And when you talk about a container image, if it, even then at that point, you know, people will say, yeah, of course, it's the, it's the uh, dependencies in the container. So maybe, maybe I shouldn't like bring in, um, you know, a very vulnerable base image, or maybe I shouldn't bring in, uh, uh, you know, uh, apt get install image magic because that might install, you know, a lot of vulnerabilities because, you know, image magic is very prone to, uh, to those. But again, this is, it's not just that, right? It's, it's kind of like, it is the container is also running, right? And it's using a runtime. So the vulnerabilities are also in the runtime itself. So like node can be vulnerable, maybe running an old version of node that has vulnerabilities. It's not like out of support. It's just like an older one and node releases, you know, every quarter or so, you know, a security updates. So who knows? Like if you're not, you know, on top of it, you know, it's not just a dependency, it's the node runtime itself. And then it's kind of like extends more, right? Because you're not operating a Kubernetes maybe cluster, but as a developer, just like you have maybe until today wrote your Docker file, now you're writing this Kubernetes YAML file. So this whole infrastructure as code now definitely relates to you. You as a developer definitely do this. You you know you decide what is the replica set because you probably know what are your kind of like uh, functional or uh, or uh, like performance related requirements from the application. And this is a place where you can make a lot of mistakes, right? This is, you know, where configura- misconfiguration issues that we're seeing, you know, untrusted, um, um, unsecured uh, S3 buckets or whatever. So this is, I think, the, the change is not, like I'm not saying, you know, the change is amazing in terms of we're now, res- you know, understanding like Kubernetes, YAML and all of this. This is, this has been there, right? This, you know, the adoption is going to grow more. But I think we're now looking at developers owning more of that and and kind of like relating more of that to their day-to-day job. That's That is what I think we're seeing more and more of. Yeah. So kind of a developer first approach for everything, right? Because even in a cloud native world, we don't want to be so siloed where it's like, oh, well, these these folks over here, they just write code. They don't know anything about the infrastructure. You still have to know something about where where the the end product is going. I mean, you got to test it locally on your own machine, right? Like you, you have to replicate what it's gonna ha- what's gonna happen in production through your own your own local approach there. Yep. So from I'm curious if you have seen or if you have thoughts on when I think about this whole idea of cloud native, and I promise we're going to focus on deeply on security in just a second, but I'm, 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 I've got this idea I want to kind of bounce off you as someone who's thought about this in more depth. Are large enterprises going to, going to struggle with this of, of saying, like, can a large enterprise right now go, we have decided we are going to, we are going cloud native. You know, it's like we're carbon neutral by 2025 and we're cloud native by 2026. Is that something that's even possible or is that something that's going to take a decade or more for that to occur? I think it's happening um, and it will probably happen whether we want to or not. There are obviously those, um, I don't want to say like organizations or enterprises, but definitely those um, entities which will need, you know, a hybrid model and offline kind of things. You know, we can think about governments and banking and so on. Uh, But there's simply a lot that we're gaining from, you know, putting things on the cloud that I don't think anyone is betting against that and thinking, oh, no, we're going to go back and, you know, manage our own data center. That's, you know, that's not that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the threats? So as I promised our audience, we're going to quickly make a turn back to application security. So what are the different threats then as we prepare for a cloud native world? And are they different threats than what we've been thinking about for the last 10 years? 
Yeah, so I think they are different. Probably, you know, if you've been a pioneer of cloud um, native kind of like things, you know, 10 years ago, that's, you know, you've been a pioneer of that, and that's kind of like what we did before. But as more people kind of like push into it, yes, it's uh, the, the threats are all around, I think, beyond uh, what you're managing, you know, from, from the lens of a developer. It's, it's just more beyond uh, your own code and your app stack. You know, just my think of it is, you know, kind of like, you know, your Node.js app, Attack, attack surface really just got bigger at this point. The moment you deployed something to the cloud, it's it's just bigger. It, realistic, realistically, you know, saying it, it was probably bigger before, right? But the moment that you have done that and kind of like you as a developer, kind of like, you know, you're like, you know, the whole movement of DevOps and devs kind of like full stacking, owning their Docker files, their Kubernetes and so on. You are now effectively, you know, have increased the attack surface just because, you know, there, there is more there. And it's anything from uh, misconfigurations to just the fact that, you know, there could be a vulnerable runtime, which maybe in the past, you know, who cares about, you know, who manages the runtime that's, I don't know, the sysadmin, the, uh, the DevOps person, whatever the SR is. But now it's you, right? You write the Docker file as a developer. And I think that is the context um, change that have been uh, added. I have a really cool example from a friend about Firebase. That's why I used that example before as well. So they you know, they ended up figuring out a bit, a bit late into time when an app they developed is that basically anyone could have uh, signed up to the app, uh, just like register and get any information about everyone else in that app. So, you know, think about like a database, like a phone book, but then like everyone can see everything else. And so there were like two two layers of, of mistakes that, uh, you know, or misconfigurations that were that were done. So the first of all, was the fact that uh, they didn't like uh, they didn't gate any they didn't provide anyone the ability to like register. It was a closed system, but the fact that um, the fact that they like didn't expose it didn't mean that the functionality existed on like the bare bones of like what you know the, the authentication uh, stack that Firebase provided. So anyone could actually register, even though like they didn't like expose it in, a, in any in any possible way. And then that you know classic misconfiguration where they didn't really do authorization. So once you authenticated at that point, if you wanted, you could pull in information of someone else. Now they haven't uh, like they haven't figured out to be like the problem to begin with uh, was because so this is all managed in like this uh, this Firebase you know functions that YAML file right. So they they just you know push it out. And it was, you know, just basically going through probably a tutorial or whatever. And all of them basically has, you know, these rules of like, you know, match, you know, document, you know, asterisk, asterisk, basically everything. Then allow read, you know, a comma, uh, um, uh, write only to people who are uh, not um, um, uh, to anyone who can actually like uh, uh, who's logged in. But if anyone can register, you know, at that point, it's it's done. And this misconfiguration is, I think, what we need to help developers with, like, like finding those uh, those things for them. Because yeah, this is now becoming this kind of like you know they didn't need to implement the authorization system. This is all based on you know uh, Firebase, you know SMS login and all of those things. So this is amazing, right? This is the serverless, the cloud native world that they're benefiting from. But they still have to configure this. Uh, by the way, it's like it's like a four lines of declaration of what they need. Uh, to access that function, and they've got it wrong, and they've realized it, you know, a few months, you know, over. Uh, and this was like, you know, probably a few, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of records there, and so on. This is like a real life production app, and this is what happened. So I think this is where we need to uh, concentrate the effort with, like, explaining to developers, you know, where things could go wrong, 
and this developer first approach of you know telling them you know where exactly we find the things so the fact that iac is now very i think um uh, kind of like ob- ubiquitous, right? It's like everywhere, infrastructure as code. We can also like refer to it. And it's very it's very now easy, I think, to also like relate to developers because we can like pinpoint line numbers just like you would do in an IDE, you know, a debugger or something and, and tell them, you know, this line is incorrectly exposing, uh, you know, authentication to, uh, tra- uh, sorry, registration for everyone. Or you could say, you know, the same way, like if you're um, highlighting a Kubernetes YAML file, you could say that. Uh, that YAML uh, declaration for this pod is actually showing that there's no, like you're missing out, um, uh, restricting the user uh, uh, to be non-root or things like that. So all of those things that we can just, you know, it's 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 really easy to like relate that to developers. That's, that's where I think this is going. Yeah, it sounds like you're going to have more, it's going to be in a cloud native world easier to take security controls and apply them in a standard way across things like, as you're describing these security misconfiguration issues, and I could see how you'd be able to write tools and things that would that would detect that. And, and even in your build pipeline, you're checking those configuration files, you're throwing an error saying, hey, there's something wrong here. And so as I'm hearing you talk about cloud native, I, I'm kind of, I'm coming to this realization that really the threats aren't going to be that different than what we've dealt with in the past. There's not like new categories of problems. Um, you still got all of the same things that we had to consider when we started going to the cloud, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. The same challenges are there. You know, I think in the early days of cloud, we had this idea that, you know, there's a lot of threats that are going to come from the infrastructure provider. And I think history has shown us that that was a, that was a, a, a threat that we were worried about that didn't really ever come to fruition. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to, re- I'm searching my own memory banks here thinking, can I think of a time where a cloud provider, where there was a giant incident and it was a result of the cloud providers backdooring somebody's, yeah. in for somebody's running systems? I mean, there's certainly been offline, you know, <laughs> when the East Coast goes offline from a certain cloud provider, like that's a big issue, but that, that's, a, that's a reliability. That's not a security thing. And so that's where, where I'm kind of landing when I think about the threat landscape. Like, it's probably not that different. Cloud Native is not changing things that much from a threat perspective. It's more changing, making us, it's optimizing how we're going to be able as developers to push out new products and things because there's more of a standardized approach to everything that we're doing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it, totally right. Like, it's it's not, I think, dramatically changing Um they're dramatically changing the, the threats themselves, but rather I think what is happening is some threats simply become like more obvious, more like they need to be more highlighted than before. So you know, misconfiguration it's probably going to be a you know a stop then for like you know the the, the next edition or whatever, uh, and it's going to be you know I think you know highlighted more. And it's well, how do you how do you do you know list uh, list privilege? How do you do that? Because you know I've you know I've done some cloud before in AWS, and it's it's. I don't want to say scary, right? But it's there's just a lot of Lego pieces that you need to tie in together. So, you know, developers and you know engineers making mistakes. It's it's not that uncommon. It's not that surprising. It's like so many things to pull in together. So it is obvious, you know, at some point you're gonna you're gonna gonna do some mistake. You're gonna accidentally expose, you know, a YAM role or you know an overprivileged function which shouldn't be. It's gonna happen, and it's gonna be even more harder because, especially be, be, because cloud native is also, by the way, like very. It's like very cheap, right? If you need another environment, just fire it up, right? It's some someone is paying for it, but that's it. It's easily scalable. So, what happens if you have like you know a production environment and a staging environment and some data leak between them, or you you put some test function in the you know in the cloud, but you forget you know to uh, to 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 um, 
to block access to it. You know, no one then, you know, how many people have developers have you seen that go, you know, after they're finished something and say, you know, well, let's clean up that environment. You know, I don't need that test function anymore. People forget about those functions. They end up being, you know, overprivileged because you just, you know, tested something and it, it just exists or that's how you get, you know, all of those data leaks and, and, and you know, incidents. So I think what happens is, you know, just like as you have like this, you know, OS top 10 for serverless, uh, it, it's just highlighting specific threats that are more, you know, you are you. It's like web risk that you will be more prone to make those mistakes, and that's what we want to like help you kind of like uh, uh, remediate first, right? This 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 is the whole story. How would developers? Because um, it does sound like even though there's a lot of things that are the same or very similar, how would a developer uh, realize, for example, that they need to think more about configuration? Uh, they need to think about. Um, obviously authentication, authorization, other things that they know about, but in a slightly different environment. I mean, how would they, you know, that role change in some ways, but but still the same, you know? <laughs> so uh, are there some, some good um, recommendations or thoughts on helping a developer make some switches there to if they're now going to focus on cloud native apps? Yeah, it's a great question. I think... Uh... I definitely don't have like the you know the silver lining uh, answer for that one or the silver bullet for that, um, if so to say. It's it's a change that I think what what I'm trying to do as well as like you know being a being an advocate for you know for security is is making that shift change because you know once you're aware of the problem that's like you know 50 percent of the solution right. So that is definitely there. I think the more that will maybe create uh, I don't know maybe like tooling maybe like an IDE tool that you know an extension you know just like developers you know add extensions to color their brackets, you know, ending and closing or whatever, uh, we could, you know, give them tools. So like as they write, you know, if they wrote something, you know, a Docker file that it does, you know, from node colon latest, you know, at that point we'll tell them, you know, no, 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 wait, don't do it. Maybe getting the latest node image is not, you know, the best thing you could do. There are different, you know, alternatives that you could take this one because it has those vulnerabilities or maybe use a digest because you don't want to always pull like latest versions of package of images because that's not an atomic operation so uh, you want to like get you know always the same reproducible builds um, so i think maybe if we take those tools and put them on a little bit you know shift left on the developers ides that could be one way to like you know increase uh, awareness and engagement like get their heads around this uh, but ultimately i think uh, i think some of the answer exists in the question that you asked and that is you know you gave the examples of how do we get developers to like you know think about authorization in different ways and i think i'm seeing more developers today uh, definitely you know by far you know not trying to roll their own authentication so like i'm not seeing people you know asking me well how do i store passwords and that has been a thing if you remember you know the net 10 15 years ago that has been, you know, if you know Stack Overflow of 2004, that has been the question, right? How do you manage, you know, passwords? How do you do password reset? I don't know. How do you do password, whatever, forgot password? You do not ask those questions today as a developer because you're using this serverless, you know, cloud native kind of constructs that help you build authentication authorization. You offload it to Okta, Odd0, whatever, all of those things that help you do it because you understand, you know, they have solved the problem and you need to get your app working in that function. But, you know, you kind of like there, there's, that's what I'm saying, right? That, that mindset kind of exists. We just need to kind of like uh, uh, highlight, you know, more of the issues that you might be making and kind of like, you know, telling, you know, just, you know, be careful on, in these areas. Yeah. And so you, you know, you talked about kind of IDE plugins, um, 
you know, you talked about potentially some, you know, potentially some other tools and things. But when you think about how we do AppSec in a cloud native world, what are what are other things that we should be thinking about? Like, is this are we applying the same traditional things that we think of? Like when I think AppSec, I go right back to the secure development lifecycle and I think, you know, from requirements to threat modeling all the way to incident response at the end of the day, are these pieces just the same or is there, are there other things that are unique in a cloud native environment? I think the activities remain. Um, what I think we could be doing better. And I think that could be, you know, more of like a stance that we could kind of like build better um, activities upon is probably the prioritization because I mean I'm hearing this a lot, right? When you when you do an NPM install and you're getting like you know 50 vulnerabilities at that point, you know, there's there's like a vulnerability fatigue, right? Because you know at that point, you know, what exactly should I do with this? And that's that's where I'm like, you know, thinking we need to build first of all, like provide, you know, real valuable uh, data on what you're seeing with like least false positives and things like that, but also prioritizing it, right? So uh, an idea for how you would prioritize it is like that old model of CVSS scoring, right? Like telling you if a, if a CVSS score vulnerability has, you know, a score of 10, and then you, you say, you know, well, stop everything, let's go fix it. Um, that may be not working anymore, right? Because there's, you know, maybe a hundred vulnerabilities. So what do you do at that point? Like you need to start somewhere. Uh, and I think that that model of of the CVSS is a bit of an old model because it's it's been it's been it's been with us for a while. But I don't think you know people have utilized it to what it actually uh, needs to help them with. That is prioritizing because there's so many um, there's so many metrics or indicators that you need to build into a vulnerability once you get it, uh, once you're like exposed to it. And that would be, for example, well, uh, maybe there's there's like a high vulnerability, right? It's 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 high. It's getting like nine or whatever. And then there's like a medium vulnerability, a CVSS score of like six or something. Which one would you do first, right? It's usually the 10, right? You say, you know, let's move all the high vulnerabilities. But what if the indicators behind those vulnerabilities were actually this? The high vulnerability is maybe for like a dev dependency, immediately like unrelated. You like dismiss it at that point. What if it's, if it doesn't have a fix, right? What would you do with it? Like you need to like now explore, like if it's, you know, for uh, for like uh, for like SCA, right? For like libraries, you need to explore. Maybe there's like um, uh, like an alternative uh, package you could switch to or whatever, like roll back, you start, start doing this. What if it is, um, what if it doesn't have any like POC exploit for it, right? So all of those things that, you know, it's say that this is a high vulnerability, but it's not that really, I'll say like, you know, urgent to fix. Whereas that medium vulnerability is for a production dependency and it has, hey, there's like a, there, it's like an, uh, an XSS, you know, through somewhere, but there's an exploit for this in the wild. Like there's a POC somewhere in like meta exploit, a meta exploit that someone could like weaponize against you. And wait, there's also like an upgrade for that specific version that is vulnerable. So basically remediating that vulnerability is is both mo- both more urgent and more easier and like easier right so that's why like cvss doesn't scale and prioritizing vulnerabilities in a different way like that scales more and this is like an example from sca from just working with you know composition analysis like open source packages and so but it applies to the cloud native world the same way. If you have a Kubernetes cluster that you know you're running with some with some pods, maybe there's like an, a misconfigured Kubernetes that has you know containers with vulnerabilities. You probably want to remediate that faster than some you know Kubernetes uh, uh, node, you know what uh, worker node that has 
um, you know, uh, maybe a lot of vulnerabilities, but nothing is misconfigured. Like, you know, it's still list privilege. It's not using the root user and so on. So it's vulnerable, but there is more chances if someone weaponizes that other misconfigured container or pod, you know, they will be able to like, you know, attack you, uh, you know, a bit deeper and so on. So I think that's kind of where it's going to go. So it's a change in priority then based on what you're saying. And, and I, I got to say, I, I love your perspective on this from, I can just hear the developer first security kind of thought process that you're sharing with us here. And I think it's a, it's a mindset change for a lot of people. And, and security culture is something that I'm very passionate about as well. Like, how do we change? How do, how do we help developers to have all the things that you're talking about so that they don't need us? Right. Like we, we can be coaches and advisors, but it's not like we're the people that, oh, well, that has to come through us. Like in the world you're describing, that's no longer an even an option in 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 this world. And so I think that's a really neat way that, that you're approaching this. I know Sneak's approaching that from that same perspective as well. And so I really appreciate that. I did want to touch on something that I have taken a look at. Um, that was your best practice guide for building Node.js apps with Docker. I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of give us a, a little bit of a background and perspective on that. Um, I know you do a lot of writing and things like that, and I'm a I'm a big fan. <laughs> I, I read all that stuff that come out comes out from you, you, and a lot of it goes into uh, the newsletter, our High Five newsletter that we send out once a week. Like I'm like, if I see something from Laurent, it's like, oh yeah, that's going on my list. But tell us a little bit about that about that project and and what we what we as developers can get out of that. Yep. So I've, um, it's an interesting one because uh, it, it started with basically thinking about, you know, maybe I should write something about how do we build containers uh, in, a, in, a, in a safe way, like just build a container image for Node applications because that's where I'm from, uh, but like do it in a same way. Now, the thing is, I know, right? I've, you know, I've Googled some of these myself to see what others like, like focusing on. And there's so many uh, examples of wrong like people are missing in their tutorials a lot of like wrong um, um, practices. So they will tell, you know, use from node latest or something like none, none will say, you know, change to a user less, less privilege, or maybe they will say, if you need to put, you know, uh, uh, a secret in the container image, that's just like an argument that you pass in, or, you know, God forbid, put it in the Docker file or whatever, you know, something worse. So I've just seen so many examples of this. And this whole idea started with, I was like tweeting out and I was saying, you know, I've seen, you know, a lot of these, you know, uh, issues in tutorials and how we edu- how we educate uh, the community around it. And like, would anyone be interested in like learning how you do, you know, this like a very comprehensive guide on on you know on building container images? And uh, yeah, I think this the, like the reaction to that has been, you know, amazing. Like I have like you know hundreds of you know likes and you know people chiming in, you know, saying yeah, do it, write it, I'm interested, and so on. And that's what kind of like motivated me to do this. And Actually, like the, I did this one a bit different. So this kind of like cheat sheet and how do you uh, containerize Node applications with Docker has been a bit different from the the usual way that I curate content. And that has been I'm actually you were starting off with like this this base, you know, I think four or five lines of code of a Docker file, like super simple, right? From Node, you know, copy whatever you need, npm install command npm start, that's it. Like the super simple uh, example, which by the way, some tutorials also like stop there, right? They introduce you to Docker and then they leave you with that one to go off with. And then I go on, you know, one by one, like why is that from an issue? What can go wrong with the copy? Um, You know, why you need multi-stage builds? How you do, uh, you know, uh, secrets, you know, properly? Why? Uh, why even, you know, what, you know, has been going there for like, we're talking about cloud native, right? What has been uh, the one thing that I haven't seen in any tutorial that I've seen, that I've read was that 
um, you know, that people start those node containers just saying, you know, CMD, right? The command uh, node start or NPM start. And they're both wrong because uh, if you're if you're running this uh, uh, container in like your development environment on Docker, you know, that's fine. That will work. But in a cloud native world, again, like swarms and all of those things, orchestrations, the, the orchestrator, right, need to tell uh, the, the node app to die, right? The process needs to get killed because of some reason. I know it scales down or whatever. If you use any of those uh, um, uh, variations, none of them will cleanly uh, kill uh, the process. And that's why you actually need to work with like, you know, exposed kind of like an init system inside a container uh, that works with it because the containers do not usually like, you know, what they say the healthy thing is not uh, to actually uh, let them be, you know, process ID one uh, because the, ker- the kernel itself uh, treats them differently. So uh, even that, you know, that one, you know, one little piece of, of, uh, of information could make miracles to your production environment just because, you know, it could have a healthier ecosystem in your cluster rather than, you know, zombie processes running, running and lying around. So, you know, I, I love this, uh, this work on the Docker containers because it just showed me how, how much we can educate, this, uh, you know, the, the audience, you know, everyone else, you know, better on this. You know, I've definitely like enjoyed, you know, interacting with developers about everything that they've learned around this. Um, probably will do more around this topic. So this has been a, a fun one for me. So that really sounds like, and, and I was thinking this as we were talking earlier, that uh, in terms of that shift for developers is, oh, well, I build everything locally. I know how it works locally. I just push it to the, to the cloud and, and there, I don't have to do anything. It just works because, <laughs> and that's not the case. There, there are going to be differences and, and they need to be aware. Developers need to be aware of those differences as they're building. Uh, just like before, whenever we build a dev send it to a staging, send it to production. There are going to be some differences and you have to be aware of those similar here. Uh, I mean, you try to do as much as you can to make them similar so that you're not getting in yourself into trouble. But it does sound like it's it's another world in some ways that you need to think about. It is, it is. It's, uh, you're kind of like opening that door for me for... Uh... <laughs> Or my other passion, which is around like software testing, and I have uh, Yannick Goldberg is a, a curator around uh, uh, you know the, the the biggest Node best practices and GitHub and so on. And he's also worked with me on this on this one with with the Node practices. Uh, but yeah, we always kind of like you know tease each other because uh, between like doing unit tests and doing end to end tests, you know what's more important, what should you do more of. And, you know, you're just like banging on that door of like, maybe I should like not even have a staging environment, right? Like maybe you have production, that's everything in production, you know, that's it. I don't know, maybe that's the way to do it. So um, there, there's just so, so many, uh, so much like thought process that you need to pull into software, you know, to, to build it right. Uh, when you do it, you know, lately, it's costly, right? You end up doing rewrites or whatever. Uh, when you have security issues, it's also costly because it's incidents and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, testing all of these things is like, you know, everything just connects together. So what, uh, Laurent, would you say is your key takeaway or your call to action here? We'd like to leave our audience with some guidance from you about what do you want them to do as a result of our conversation about cloud native and how AppSec fits into it. Give them some homework. Cool, cool. Homework. Yeah, I like that. Well, I mean, that reference to the, to the, you know, 10, you know, maybe best practices or something like that about containerizing the node apps with Docker is, I think, a great start. If anyone needs to do it, you know, that's, that's already a great guide. But I think the thought process around what could go wrong at each stage is, you know, super important because it highlights so many things, you know, so many concerns that you may have not thought about. So, you know, that's, you know, all shout out to everyone if anyone wants to read that one. 
Um, the other thing I think is having that mindset uh, to always ask yourself when you are, you know, building something is, you know, kind of like threat modeling with yourself, right? Like what, you know, what could go wrong? Like if you're, you know, that example I gave from like, you know, a, a colleague or friend I have about that Firebase, that real world example of that being basically, you know, exposed outside as an incident, a security incident, you know, that again, like that was like four or five lines of configuration of a file, but uh, the, a mistake there would have been, you know, uh, disastrous. Uh, so asking yourself, you know, I'm, I'm doing something, but, you know, what is the meaning of putting, you know, asterisk, asterisk something, or what, you know, what uh, is the cloud doing with that data behind the scene in terms of, you know, how does it operate? That is super important because you know what you're configuring, at least you know, you, you think you know, but maybe, uh, you know, the under, like, you know, if you look from like above, you know, there's, there's something that happens there that reads this and, and make different decisions and comes to different conclusions based on what you provided. So your input is not very comprehensive. It's the same story all the time. You you miss out on some Docker file uh, directives, then you miss out on security. You miss out on Kubernetes, you know, security capabilities or whatever, then you're missing out on, on security. So I would say, you know, have that mindset to think, you know, what what could what am I probably doing wrong? The moment you'll ask it, you'll probably like start, you know, asking the relevant people or Google or whatever, and you'll figure out what you need to fix it. So just having that mindset. Yeah, that's very helpful. Cloud native and security. What could go wrong? <laughs> Laurent, thanks for uh, spending time with us today and and taking us down this path to understand cloud native and the intersection with security and also with the best practices for Node and Docker. And, and um, thanks for helping to give that back to the industry so that people can can create better containers. You know, it's good for all of us when the applications that are running out there are more secure. So thanks for taking the time today. We look forward to another conversation with you in the future. Who knows what it'll be about, but it'll be awesome. So thank you very much. Thank you, Grace and Robert. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. You'll find the show on Twitter at AppSec Podcast or on the web at www.securityjourney.com slash application dash security dash podcast. You can also find Chris on Twitter at EdgeRoute and Robert at Robert Hurlbutt. Remember, security is a journey, not a destination.